For some, church is easy. For others, it's complex or even impossible. But does that mean that for those of us who find ourselves in the second group, faith and spirituality is off limits? Absolutely not. Enter Kevin Garcia. Kevin is the voice behind a podcast called A Tiny Revolution. They sit at the intersection of so many important issues facing the church today, but the thing I find so wonderful and so refreshing about Kevin is that they own it and stand in a place that encourages other people to own their faith, to walk with God, and present themselves in a way that says, I'm here, I'm me, I'm good, and I'm not going to be excluded. I had the absolute pleasure of editing Kevin's book, Bad Theology Kills, before it came out. Pun not intended. It was refreshing, challenging, inspiring, philosophical, poetic, and utterly insightful. Everyone should read it. So I'm very excited to introduce Kevin to you today, and I'll also introduce a warning that should probably stay on Unchurchable from here on in. We're going to talk about some adult content here. So there, you've been warned, or teased, however you want to view that. Either way, I'm Kit Kennedy, and this is Unchurchable. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unchurchable. I'm Kit Kennedy and I'm here with the amazing, the enlightening, the fabulous Kevin Garcia. How Hello. are you today, my dear? <laughs> I, uh, I'm sweaty as hell right now because I, I live in the South in America. Mm-hmm. Um, not South America, but South in the United States. And so yes. in addition to COVID-19 and um, systemic racism, it's also very hot and sweaty. Oh, and, and here I am kind of huddled by my, my heater and there's the fire burning in the lounge room oh, and yes. we're because on opposite it, ends of an experience. I right always now. forget that mm-hmm. the world is a wacky, wild place. So this is your and, summer or do you yes. guys call this winter? No, no. Yeah. You are in summer. We are in winter. Wild. Yes. Yes. It's pretty wild. Of course you would call it winter. That's so stupid. Why would you <laughs> call it winter? <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> you Australians yes. are something else. Let me tell you. Well, we call fall autumn. I call it autumn too. I think it's better. I like, think it is too. I think it's more. Um, and then you can use words like yeah. autumnal to to explain mm. like the color of the, the you know the trees that change anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the kind of wax. flavors you want in your latte. Oh God, yes. And I'm holding a latte here that's a soy instead of like an, a, a cow's mm. milk latte. So my day's not off to a good start. But anyway, um, so we're here to talk about bad theology kills. And I have to mm. say, you you trusted me with an incredible role in yeah. actually editing this book before it came out. And I remember just just to give give listeners a bit of a um, bit of a kind of context here. Um, my 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 person, Patrick. I'm calling him my person because we're separated now. Because mm-hmm. um, he's actually gay, um, but we are just best friends, and we've walked such an incredible path path together. So it's kind of more like Meredith Grey and Christina Yang, you know, like he's mm-hmm. my person. But um, yeah, so he came home one day during this time where we'd lost community and we'd kind of been forced out of a church that um, that was run by my family. Like it was no longer possible for us to stay and. We were just nursing so much heartbreak. And of course, it was at this time that he discovered that gay conversion therapy don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was really struggling. We were really struggling to kind of figure out our way through this. And he found your podcast, A Tiny Revolution. And mm. it was not tiny for us. It, he actually came home and he said, I think I can stick with this. I think I can stick with faith. Um, this, mm. this guy, Kevin Garcia, has 
really was really making sense to me and I remember getting in the shower that night and just crying and being like thank you god anyway so fast forward kind of maybe a year or 18 months we're taking a call in my backyard and Mm -hmm. and you're saying I've got this book baby and it needs to be born it was bad theology kills Mm -hmm. I really had this strong feeling that it just need we just needed it out in the world and Mm -hmm. so you released it when January yeah, January 31st, 2020. And I remember, like, we initially talked about um, going a different route, like, with self-publishing, yeah. like, about two years before the book actually came out. Because you yeah. were very just like, nah, I'm telling you, like, you've got the you've got the juice for this. And yeah. I didn't believe you at the time. Fast forward a couple years later, and yeah. the publishing world here in the U.S. was just, like, not uh, as welcoming to mm. a queer person of faith. Um, even among progressive people and progressive yeah. companies. Um, and then I said, you know what? I'm just going to do the damn thing myself. I hit you up and I'm <laughs> so glad that well, because we better ourselves. Timely. How timely is it? Mm-hmm. Because Bad Theology Kills has been true forever, but mm-hmm. never so obvious as 2020. Right. Like you talk about the intersectionality of gender identity of sexual orientation of um you know issues for people of color and Mm -hmm. you talk about it all in the book so beautifully so eloquently so philosophically but it has never been so timely as this year Mm. so how have you found it kind of intersecting with your reality over there during this crazy time right i um it's been a really I mean, it's 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 kind of I mean, like of course, it's very, very bittersweet over here mm-hmm. in, in the states right now because we are seeing a social uprising yeah. and big change that we haven't seen. Uh, I would say since the civil rights era mm-hmm. of people like uh, the amount of people coming out in the streets, uh, white folks putting their 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 bodies between black folk and the police. Yeah. Um, now, granted, ever since these protests really started kicking up there has been an increase um, in documented police um, mm. killings in the U.S. So it's very interesting. It's like, um, it's the it's that, I hate being such a Christian sometimes, but like that yeah. whole verse about everything that is hidden in the darkness will be brought out into the light. I'm like, yeah. hello, somebody. Yeah, but uh, I, would, yeah. I, I think that this has shown me, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like what you said. It's like this, it's here it is hello everyone the very simple yep. phrase that we can put on this is bad theology is killing people yeah the, like the theology about how, what how, what we believe about god is directly tied into what we believe about people yep. and a lot of people don't understand how closely those ting- those things those things <laughs> are linked with one another especially in uh, uh evangelical yep. christian america um yep. especially in in light of the fact that white supremacy is so good and sneaky at, you know, trying to disappear into the background. Right. Now this, (sighs) this is, I mean, Australia and America are two very different cultures in a lot of ways, but they're also very similar in a lot of ways. Um, We just, we had uh, um, some Black Lives Matter protests over here um, Mm. just last week or the week before um, our, we, we, just gotten to the point where we were lifting COVID-19 restrictions, Mm -hmm. but we've had a surge in COVID-19 
cases and people have kind of turned on the premier of our state going, you know, he allowed the protest. I'm like, dude, you don't allow a protest. That's the point of a protest. They happen Mm -hmm. without the permission of the state. But it's actually in-home transmissions, but still people are kind of blaming him. And what I've found Mm -hmm. is, and and in, in the council area that I live in, We've got these monuments, like these these stone cans mm-hmm. dedicated to Angus McMillan, who was the settler of the area, who used to shoot Indigenous people kind of like it's an entertainment oh. thing. Oh, my God. Now, yeah, like, and there was this big thing last week where our council members, one of one of them, this beautiful lady, Carolyn Crossley, moved to have them removed. It was defeated by one vote, so they're staying. Oh. And people are going, oh, but you can't erase history. And I'm like, yeah, I know you can't erase history, but you can, you can like take down the monuments to people who massacred First yeah. Nation people. And I'm amazed. That's why you should be like, you're you're glamorizing, yes, somebody's murder. Yes, and I'm finding that there's this lack of metacognition, the ability to look at our own thinking, yes. during this time Ooh. and reflect. Yes. So you yourself are a person of color. Am I, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm a mixed race, so I'm Mexican, yeah. so Latinx. And uh, then the other part of me is Dutch-Irish. Um, so okay. like the, that's the white part of my family. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm uh, indigenous Mexican. I'm Mexican okay. is in my heritage. All right. So this kind of, I feel like, gives you a bit of cred to speak about this issue. But I feel I don't have credibility to speak about. How do us whiteies enter Mm -hmm. into this debate right and do the right thing by people of color Mm -hmm. well i think it's remembering first that this isn't really a debate Mm, because debate Mm. yeah debate means that there's two sides to something and um granted to this there are two sides and there is uh those two sides are racist and Mm anti-racist so i think what it comes down to is kind of no longer like stand on the authority of yeah. what women of color and black women uh, from the world over and indigenous scholars the world over have given us, which is history as yeah. it actually is. And so much of like, when I talk to my family, I'm just like, when I introduce the data to them, when I show them like, just look at the data, yeah. tell me what you see. When you, mm-hmm. when you read history and you read that uh, such and such person came through and shot indigenous people like it was sport, yeah. what does that say? And if we look at like, just like history, like I look at the indigenous uh, first nations folks of America and like, you know, you look at the story of the trail of tears, you look at an entire continent practically that was, you know, all all but wiped out. Yeah. And it's like, you gotta, how can you, my question is just like, why can't you believe the data that's right in front of you? That's always the question I come back to. Um, and that's a question that you must come back to repeatedly when it comes mm-hmm. to um, LGBTQIA plus people in church. Yeah. The data on what? Sorry, data. I'm saying that like American. In Australia, we call it data. Data. Um, <laughs> data. I'm not the, from the, the south in America. We say data. <laughs> well, the data on 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 what this does mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, as, and particularly questioning young people in churches. Right. Now, this is what your book, Bad Theology Kills, covered off on very strongly, very, very um, poetically in the beginning. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. So, um, in the beginning of the book, um, it starts out because I share my story because I think that being able to like see somebody in their like as full context as they can give you 
really mm-hmm. does help inform the rest of the thought process that that follows. Yeah. Um, so I share my story and I uh, like every single ex gay or I would say ex ex gay testimony at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, ain't that the every, truth? Yeah. Uh, but every queer person of faith I've ever met always starts off with is like, well, I grew up in a good Christian home. Yes. And that's true. Like my mother was the worship leader. My uncle was the the, pa- the pastor. My father um, was a, a military man of 29 years. And so it was very severe. And we just grew up knowing that it was like God and country first. We just mm-hmm. that's we knew what was expected of us. Yeah. Um, and to be Christian meant to be meant a very specific thing. It meant pretty much like you you're a Republican, right? You're voting for George W. Um, <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. I know. Um, <laughs> we lived through some stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, as a, you know, fast forward, grow up, I, I fast forward, grow up, uh, high school, freshman year, yeah. first day of freshman year is when I figured out that I liked boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember noticing a boy for the first time and I was probably 14 or 15 at the time. Yeah. And that was scary for me because I was a Christian. And of course, yeah. in my mind, Christians don't struggle with homosexuality tm that was gross it was a sin and an abomination and it was a uh, a crime against god himself and i say yeah. him specifically at the time because i thought he was a dude with a literal penis yeah i, yeah, I can't <laughs> right? relate to that trope anymore i just cannot oh neither can <laughs> but I. Anyway, that's another thing that's um, another thing that's on our yeah. that's on our third follow-up podcast on deconstructing language yeah right <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, about a year later, my dad and I got into this long fight conversation thing. Um, and he asked me if I was gay. I said, kind of, cause I didn't really know how to identify. Yeah. And, um, my mother, um, who he outed me to told me that we were going to beat this. Like, like I had just, like, we just found out that you have stage five cancer and we're going to beat this. And it was, uh, kind of disheartening, not kind of, it was devastating right, because here I am not really sure how to identify, not really sure why this is happening to me because I saw it as something happening to me because that's how, because yeah. homosexuality was a choice, right? So. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a, that's a narrative that the church has hammered home so much over, yeah. over the years. And my, my lived experience of being married to an ex-gay man mm-hmm. um, is that I think that you should have to repent for things that you have done, not mm-hmm. things that you are, um, because we are made in the image of God. And mm-hmm. I did an interview with Nathan Despot, who runs the Brave Network in Australia, and they've been, mm-hmm. or he's one of the people who runs the Brave Network in Australia. They've been doing a lot of work to get gay conversion therapy banned, but they had to change mm-hmm. it to a language about conversion about sexual orientation change efforts or sexual orientation and mm-hmm. gender identity change efforts and the conversion ideology because it's an ideology that is that's exactly down. it and it's in pastoral care and it's in pulpits and mm-hmm. it's in we've got to beat this and in homosexuality is a choice well no it's not you are who you are mm-hmm. and, and i think yeah. that has to be like such a way to like moving forward how we talk about it too because yeah. right now in america i would say like uh, there, it's that there, it's that thing because you say conversion therapy is like, oh, we're not converting therapy, we're not conversion mm. therapy, yeah. we're a Bible study, mm-hmm. we're a men's group, we're a ladies group. <laughs> yes. And so it becomes like very and like you know, oh no, we're just a youth group, and I, you know, we yeah. happen to meet with all the boys who are struggling with whatever. Yeah. But yes, that's exactly yeah. it. It's like, yeah, no, no, knows. Okay. Like I think about like, did did I choose this? 
I chose to have a miserable time for my teen years. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. me. Yeah, nobody nobody chooses that. Nobody chooses that. And I actually, when I read through Bad Theology Kills, um, formalized, you know, anti-gay counseling or gay conversion therapy doesn't happen that often anymore. Mm-hmm. But when it does, um, you actually right. name the the brand that you went through, the course that you went through. Exodus and- International, baby. Uh-huh, Living Waters, um, mm-hmm. that is the same one that, that my guy went mm-hmm. through. And I remember proofreading your book and calling him at work going, you are bisexual, right? Because, like, the stories here are so identical. Anyway, fast forward a couple mm-hmm. of months. No, he's not bi, he's gay. But I'm so, so proud of the way that mm-hmm. he has navigated this because he did it with so much integrity and he did it um, with a lot of love. And right. I'm just so proud of the way that we've... I'm allowed to say that because, you know, I'm a deconstructed Christian and pride, you know, well, well, I am proud of the way that we've handled this. Listen, proud comes before the fall. You better repent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So he said to me, you know, back in January, we're doing well. And I was like, yes, you know, you and I going really well. Yes. I'm still feeling it. Like, and, you know, he wanted to, I call it the Seinfeld ending where we actually make the call to end our relationship as a married couple Mm. and transition to friends. Mm-hmm. while we're still getting along before there's been cheating because we've seen yeah. like Exodus International and other gay conversion therapy oh my providers God, yes. 20 years after the fact the people who were running these courses are leaving their wives to move in with their lovers like mm-hmm. because you can't fix it if it's not wrong yeah can't fix what's not broken and like yeah. the thing about desire is like uh, we've been just so taught to demonize it and to just yeah. like nothing about your body is good nothing about what you what comes from within is good. Mm-hmm. It's all just like this very prescribed thing. And it's so fearful. Like I look yes. back at like the, the faith I came from. It was, so, I was so afraid of God. I was so afraid of, uh, and really like to be, to be frank, like I think that the fear of God then comes back to the fear of self, the fear Ooh. of being exactly who you are in public. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think the more that I have recognized how much God is not embarrassed of me, how much love is not far from me. Yeah. Uh, the more I recognize that just like, uh, I look yeah. at my old faith and I'm like, Oh, I was, I, I, I was like, I was, fo- it feels like I was foolish. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, why did I believe that I was less than loved? Oh, it's, and then you go through the whole thing of, well, when you grow up in a certain environment mm-hmm. and you're told that if you don't believe X, you're going to hell. Like, of course yeah. you're gonna, do whatever it takes to not go to hell or lose your community and which is scarier i don't know yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah yes that is you know and and patrick says you know i say to patrick i don't want my kids to go to hell and he says to me well i think church is hell Mm, come on somebody and that that is a big and very valid point when i look at you know, what about how some people have been treated in church and how the experience of uh, a, a quite a, um, you know, an evangelical upbringing with its own kind of lurks and quirks um, mm-hmm. really, it, it did put the fear into me and it was the fear that kept me in faith. But now yes. on my own journey of deconstruction, I'm going, okay, this Calvinist doctrine of total depravity, that don't fit me. Mm. And, you know, why are we starting our faith in Genesis 3 with the curse when we should be starting it in Genesis 1 when God repeatedly looked at creation and said, it is good, it is good, it is good. It's so good, everything. 
so I have some questions when it comes to your own deconstruction. Um, how have you reclaimed this area? Um, I had some like the ask, Bible. No, no sexuality, being <sighs> good, um, being able right. to be who you are in public without fear. Mm -hmm. I had a beautiful friend ask me during the week. Um, how do you get past the fear of public displays of affection when you have been publicly mm -hmm. shamed for being, in her case, a lesbian? Yeah. Um, how do you get past this? How do you reclaim this? I think it's a lot of practice, to be honest. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, you go from a practicing homosexual to professional <laughs> homosexual. I'm just kidding. Um, but it, what I mean by practice is literally that. It's uh, it's not going to be perfect all the time, but like yeah. I, I show up when and how I can. And how I want to, and if, like for example, like so, um, I'm pretty gender fluid, so my presentation varies wildly depending on the day. Mm -hmm. um, so today it's like athletic shorts, sweaty tank, you know, and a, a <laughs> bandana around the head. And then yeah. other times it'll be like, let me like put on a red lip and yeah. put on a dress and go out dancing. <laughs> um, and you've given me I, some fantastic advice on which lipstick to wear prior to a date, by the way. So you know, oof, you're good I'm for here that. for you, girl. <laughs> Just trying to be a beauty guru. That's like what everyone's. I've left behind faith, and I made a, you know got my makeup is my makeup is my god now. Just kidding. Um, but reclaiming the sexuality part, I think it starts with an act like actively like deprogramming like what you've thought about it before. So it's like when I encounter shame, rather than breaking down, or rather than. Uh, it's like I, I notice it come up and shame will like like to like has a voice right and it wants to yeah. tell us you're bad you're stupid you're ugly you're not lovable you're dirty it's before we get to that point before mm -hmm. the voice takes over and we begin to identify with the voice we have yeah. to stop and say okay who, who's talking right now <laughs> first of all yeah um because when we notice ourselves going there it's almost like huh because there's this other part of me that also mm. knows that this is okay that mm my sexuality is not called just good, but very good. That the yeah. way that I, um, the way that okay. I perceive beauty is good. And so once we start talking back to those voices, it's like, hello, I notice, hello, shame. I notice you're mm -hmm. there. Thank you for being here. I recognize that at one point we were made to be ashamed mm -hmm. for how we presented or how we showed yeah. affection or who we liked or for acting too femme or from acting too butch, whatever it is, but we're yeah. not there anymore. We're here yeah. and t right now we're safe. It's okay. Yeah. So really it's this act of reparenting ourselves that I think really works us through the shame around expression. Reparenting. That is so interesting. And I'm going to bookmark that one, but come back to, you said not just good, but very good. Mm. It's not just called good, but very good. A lot of people are going to go, oh, hold up. Where's that coming from? Oh yeah, that's coming yeah. from the Bible. Um, so <laughs> Say more things. That, yeah, so that's yeah. Genesis one, right? Um, mm. God's walking yeah. around the garden, making all the stuff, and everything's very, very, everything's good, everything's great. Like just the, it was morning, evening, the first, second, third, yeah. some odd days, and mm -hmm. then uh, God um, comes down to the earth and shapes. It says in you know the first creation story because there's two creation stories in Genesis. Uh, in the first creation story, um, God comes and folds out of the earth, like shapes out of the dust of the earth, uh, a human, 
um, the Adam, which is the original Hebrew, which means the groundling or the human one. It doesn't actually mean Adam or man. The ah. Adam is just the human. And so right. Adam is the literally the transliteration of the Hebrew. And what's interesting too, funny enough, is that the word for earth in Hebrew is Adama, which is the female <laughs> reflexive of the Adam. So God, Ooh. the masculine El, which is the Hebrew there, El comes down and consorts or works with Adama, the earth, the feminine, to bring forth new life. Now are you telling me <gasps> people see a lot of shit gets missed when you don't have the context. And so oh it says gosh. here, after God breathes into the groundling, the breath of life, he says that this is very good. And so wow. The only time it says that when that wasn't good is when he noticed that the human one was alone. Mm. And so, and then they get together. And the reason I know sex, like their sexuality is very good is because apparently they were naked and unashamed. Yeah. Yes. And so yes. that expression of their connection together was something that was just completely unselfconscious. Yeah. Now this is, this is so interesting because how many times we, we hear, well, I believe the Bible as the retort against any argument for social justice or you know mm -hmm. <laughs> equality or diversity and and yet to not be able to go back and actually deconstruct the literal words that that formed mm -hmm. this this book that we right. call holy um <laughs> is is huge now you actually went to seminary i um, did so yeah what was that experience like being in seminary while also sort of deconstructing. I've watched your faith take quite a journey over the yeah. last few years. Yeah, because I think like when we first got in here, I was very much like I identified very strongly as a queer Christian. Yes. And um, I started at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, which is practically Atlanta, Georgia, mm -hmm. in the United States. I started here specifically because I... Well, I, I actually, funny enough, I just moved out of there today, so it's not here anymore. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I started there because I, I thought I wanted to be a pastor, and like, there's a, a big part of me that has a very pastoral spirit um, mm. and just loves creating community with people. Yeah. So, I started there, like getting an MDiv because that's just what you're supposed to do, right? right. It's like if you're a queer person of faith and you want to make a difference, you gotta wear the cloth and be the pastor yep. and push mm -hmm. back against this system <laughs> that you want to try and reform. Yes. The thing is, is that as I'm in school and I'm studying, the more I learned about the actual history of the church, which I um, mean, I knew that like colonialism was bad and I knew that the colonialism, church, though. <laughs> both and like, at yeah. the, I mean, in the beginning, the church was, they greenlit everything. Yeah. And so it's like whether or not people want to say uh, it was just, you know, white supremacy, colonialism or empire colonialism, like yeah. the church greenlit all of it. Yeah. And whether it was the Church of England or the, the Catholic Church. Um, yeah. I remember I took my yeah. first one of my first classes I took was the history of Christianities, plural. Oh, and so we studied <laughs> early Christianities and the different types of ways that it was practiced. And then we also studied colonialism, like and studied like all the way up to like what was happening. And I read some of the accounts of what happened during uh, the Spanish conquest of Central America in the name of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And I was mortified. There was one, yeah. um, they were in Central America and there was a tribe that was being 
um, massacred. Oof. And right before, right before this uh, king of this tribe, or like the, the, the chief tribe, the chief of the tribe uh, was to be burned at the stake, they sent him, they sent a Jesuit priest came in to try and convert him to Christianity. And the man said to the priest, all these men out here killing my people, will they be in heaven too? And oh, he said, man. well, some of them maybe." And he said, then I would rather go to your hell than spend one minute in heaven with your men. Oh, gosh. And, oh, that's that's heavy because now we have a church, like, uh, the the Royal Commission into um, child sexual abuse happened in Australia not long ago, and it was a damning time in the history of Catholicism. And um, it was just priest after priest. It was Cardinal George Pell, and it was... It was not a good time. And something that I've been quite confronted by through my own journey through deconstruction and as a blogger um, and and various other things is I hear people's stories of their abusers being Mm -hmm. in positions of power in the church. And um, that statement right there, it's true for colonialism and it's still true for vulnerable and marginalised people today. Mm -hmm. Um, Grappling with that must have been pretty heavy. Yeah. And that's where it started. Is it like I just? It's almost like I I had the rose colored glasses removed, yeah. and I really recognized for the first time. I said, "Holy shit, have mm-hmm. we been making this up the whole time?" Yeah. Like from the beginning of like I just like studying anthropologically how religions developed throughout the world, yeah. and it just clicked with me. Oh, the Bible's not this you know the Word of God TM like I thought it was growing up. It is a collection of people's stories and poetries and mythologies people like me who were grappling about what is this thing we call god yeah and so for me it was like i am if they're allowed to argue or allowed to explore or whatever like i need to be able to do the same thing and so at the same time as i'm you know getting this formalized theological education i also switched my degree from a master's of divinity to a master's in practical theology because uh, I was no longer interested in being a pastor within a church parish of any kind. <laughs> that um, is that is really funny because um, growing up as a pastor's kid, the last thing on earth that I would like to be is a pastor. That was always like, no, I'm never marrying a pastor. I'm never being a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and yet I can see, you know, people like you and I have a tendency to build tribe and a tendency to talk about important things. And so it's kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah, it's, it's an interesting journey. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so yes, continue. Um, so you've, you've switched across to practical theology, which is kind of like yeah. practical magic. I'm kind of, yeah, I don't know. 100% <laughs> mom, you're not even joking. Like that's <laughs> yes. the the thing is because like I started getting into uh mysticism and like both like within Christian mysticism and then more widely into like things that are magical considered magical practices you know you start with one tarot and like uh one amethyst crystal and the next thing you know like you're sitting (laughs) under a full moon uh praying in tongues summoning demons I'm just kidding Do you know, that's funny because my friend Carrie Meyer, she deconstructed yes. from the same network as I did. She's amazing. You'd love her. Um, she deconstructed actually into, she, she does chaos magic now and she's an incredible yes. intuitive. But when we sit and we talk together, there's so much we share in common and it's really made mm. me sit back. That and other things, my own walk, your work, um, has made me go, 
well, what is God? Not who is God, but what is God? Mm, come on. Um, That's where it gets real juicy. Yeah. So what has that been like for you? Um, and do mm. you still call yourself Christian? Can we use the word post-Christian? Is that a thing? Say anything yeah. you want along any of those lines. <laughs> I, I, anytime someone calls me a Christian, I always look at them and I'm just like, am I? Because a little bit these days. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, what about me? I mean, like, so like here, I guess like, ironically, I still go or I still am attending, you know, quote unquote, attending uh, yeah. a, a church here in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, queer centric and, uh, on board for all the right things it's black led yeah. it's trans led it's really oh, wow. a phenomenal congregation of people um yeah. poor and scrappy my kind of people yeah. it's the only church i would ever kind of want to go to to be honest because yeah. it is a church full of like the right kind of rejected people who only care about doing the right thing and then going to brunch you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes like well, we want to we, we go to the marches and then we go and you know share a joint it's really remarkable um, and, and this is a big grapple for me at the moment because we're um, my, my little non-conventional family uh, uh-huh. comprised of my beautiful gay ex-husband and me and our two incredible kids. We're living together. We're just about to move to Melbourne, which is two and a half hours away. We're going to live together. Um, mm. I sort of identify as post-Christian in that yeah. I want to be connected to the divine i want to live the teachings of jesus because to me jesus was inclusive and he was Mm -hmm. a disruptor and he was love and compassion and mercy incarnate he was the divine incarnate and i'm here for that but i don't want to drag my kids to any church that is even going to subtly indoctrinate them against their Mm. father and that makes life hard in australia yeah and that's Mm. the thing is like if i I do not believe anyone should subject themselves to a congregation that isn't fully accepting and affirming of LGBTQ people, women in leadership, and racial justice. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is, like, you might get two out of three in most churches. Yeah. Which is why I, like, I was, it was, I was thinking about this, like, uh, Beth Moore, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, being Beth Moore, like, suddenly said, there's an uprising happening in America, and we need to be, the church needs to, like, be the leaders out there. And I tweeted at her, and of course she doesn't care because she doesn't follow me back, but it's like, girl, the church is already out, already leading. The yeah. The leaders out here are black women leading these yeah. marches. It is the, the trans women who are organizing these things. It is, like, we're out, the church is doing its job. I don't know what you're doing, ah. but, but, like, I... the body of God, yeah. you know, the body of Christ in, is literally manifesting and incarnating in the streets crying out for justice for the least of these that's the most christian fucking thing i've ever seen (laughs) and it's so annoying because it's like and that's the thing is that christ the the spirit of christ the spirit of justice is no respecter of denominations or persons or whether or not you even call on the divine presence and that's the thing about me is that like my understanding of god is like yours it's like it's not so much like where is God, who is God, or what is. It's just like, where isn't God? Who isn't God? That's my oh, thing that I gets like me. That question. Because I look at I look at all these people out in the streets, and it's like, Jesus told us straight up, you know, anything you did for the least of these, you did to me. You yeah. should like when you. So it's like the other morning, 
I spent Sunday morning um, going down and helping drive people who got who got arrested at th- some protests. Um, so the yeah. Atlanta Bail Fund, we set up breakfast stuff, and I drove yeah, I people think. home back into their cars. Yeah. And I was thinking just like when I got like when and Jesus said unto them, when I was arrested at the protest, you bailed me out. Oh, you know, there's, you know, there's an image that reached uh, the Australian news sites and it was of a black protester who had picked up a white person who was not on the side of equality, I believe, mm-hmm. and threw him over his shoulder and carried him to safety. That image shouted to me take up your cross and follow me you better because that person was actually symbolic of the Mm -hmm. the cross in terms of the systemic you know yes there's like uh, uh, like uh, truly the embodiment of the thing that is trying to kill me yep and i was just i sat and i looked at that image and i was like wow and it took me back to this um, conversation that I had with Nathan Despot on the pod a few, a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that the churches that are the most dangerous to something along these lines, don't quote me. Nathan is a very well-spoken and very con- well-considered person, but right. something along the lines of the churches that are most, most damaging to LGBTIQIA plus people and especially questioning people are not the churches that are out and out homophobic because, you know, a a Mm -hmm. questioning or LGBTQIA person might walk in there and go, I'm not welcome here and walk right back out. It's the churches that are welcoming, but not affirming the churches that will accept to a point, the churches that will affirm to a point. Oh, we love you. We love you. Oh, hang on. You want a boyfriend? No, 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 no. You can't lead our worship anymore. You can't be on a kid's team anymore because you're now practicing homosexual. And actually you kind of educated me because I was like a solicit person on Twitter who was tweeting some really good things and I won't name her. Um, (laughs) that, and and I kind of retweeted and, and and you kind of, we we were chatting by inbox and you said, it's a shame she's not affirming. And I was like, Mm -hmm. holy wow we can look so close to the mark and actually be missing the whole thing. We can actually be, if it is what I'm thinking, I'm thinking uh, that might've changed. I can't remember who we were talking about. I remember the conversation. I can't remember who. Yeah. Um, well I'll, I'll edit this out, but it was Beth Moore. (laughs) (laughs) Beth. (laughs) Oh, I do love, like the thing about it is, is like, and again, edit whatever you want out of this. I think Beth is like, she's right there. I'm just like, girl, they just... don't want you anymore. They <laughs> they think you are annoying. You don't even, let's just like, you don't even want to really hang out with them. That's the thing. Yeah. Is that I really, I, I think in your heart of hearts, Beth Moore, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> it's okay. You can want, like, listen, plenty of people's lives have fallen apart when they did the right thing. And you're in a position where you actually can do a lot of good. Yeah. It's like, for me, it's just like, I don't want, like, I just want people to repent. I just want people to change their mind. Yeah. It's so, for the forgiveness of their sins. Yeah. And also mm. for uh, the, because that's the thing, right? Ooh, listen, you want to get theological. Yeah, yeah. Come at me. <laughs> it's like, uh, is that, the, that's the thing. So the word in the Greek, the word repent is metanoia. Metanoia means to literally change one's mind. So. Yeah. John the Baptist standing on the on the river saying repent for the kingdom of God is near he's literally just saying change your mind yeah. like you think that the empire is the only way to do this uh uh-uh. uh change your mind yeah. and because the, the forget the sin that y'all commit is truly just to believe that you are separate from love yeah you know to believe that this is the only way but let me tell you the one who comes after me will baptize you with fire oof 
oof. That puts a that puts a whole different spin on it, doesn't it? Yeah, and so I, when I look at people, it's like, mm. you know, they say love the sin, hate. What is it? Love, love the, the sin or hate, sin the sin. hate the sin. I'm just like I love white people. I hate white supremacy. Yeah. You know, I love men, but I hate misogyny. Yeah. You know. So, but that that statement, love the sin or hate the sin, I have never heard that applied to white supremacy. I have never heard it applied to misogyny, but my God, I've heard it applied to homosexuality. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's always the thing. It's it's like because like that's that's the problem with like so many people's rhetoric because they still classify um, sexuality or like non heteros non heteronormative sexuality and gender as sinful, um, and they they lump it in with because like the thing about sin though, sin is choice. You know, based in yes. choice to leave something done or undone. Yes, and it just it doesn't make an that's the thing. It's just like, why is logic such an enemy? <laughs> I like, have a theory. I have a theory about evangelicalism. They I'm here gen- to listen. They had gent- They read Gentile Christian, mm-hmm. meaning you know non-Jewish. Um, mm-hmm. So and they they misread it as genital Christian and then got all like obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> that's my theory, and I'm sticking to Listen, it. I like it. I'm into this. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my theory. <laughs> but when ten it out comes, of ten. It comes to, um, and I was talking to um, Mike Phillips, and, like, in, in a session not long ago, and he was saying how the whole biblical attitude around sex is actually around possession and inheritance. And, and yet here we are in 2020, and we are the inheritors of a sexually repressive... The, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've, we've inherited this sexually pr- repressive doctrine and you know i'd like to think i'm sex positive but but the truth is it's it's a bit of a mind bender for me because Mm -hmm. i was raised in purity culture um and you know i was a virgin when i got married at 29 didn't quite cross over into the 30 year old virgin which i was happy about um good for you there was all all these images of steve carell's 40 year old virgin (laughs) flashing up in my mind (laughs) but purity culture has done a lot of damage and yeah um, because we have pathologized desire and mm. we've, you know, and we've lumped that in with, with some really problematic things like, you know, theft or like, you know, I don't know. Like yeah. It's other... like, we put all these things on the same block and it's just like, it's the same thing as alcoholism. It's the same thing as murder. It's like, you're telling me that me sucking dick is the same thing as murdering someone. You've got to be joking with me, Brenda. That is like... It's just, it's the logic thing. It's like, yeah. you've got to be, like, you're telling me this is the same in the eyes of God. Yeah. And your God is petty. <laughs> petty and boring. Oh, gosh. That is just, gosh, there's just so many funny things here. Like, I, I, Brenda, for those listening, Brenda is like the Christian equivalent of a Karen. Um, yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> or Beverly. I think Beverly is probably the Christian, Christian Yeah, we do. I say, I've got, uh, I've got Brenda. I've got... Linda, Brenda, oh, Linda. Linda, and um, Karen. Uh, um, there's actually a drag queen in Australia, I think, that's named Karen from Finance, which I think is just the greatest drag name ever. <laughs> I don't know. Shekinah Glory was pretty good. <laughs> oh, Shekinah Glory. I did. So I did drag for the first time in Detroit, um, like publicly before. Yeah. Um, 
it was my first like live performance yeah it was at like my friend's like big queer dance party and it was so like and it was like they all knew it was my first time performing so i came out and i had my face covered for the first part of it because i kept my beard and then when i took it off it was like boom glitter beard boom big eyes oh bearded drag queen ooh Glitter beard. Okay, so I had a friend um, who, she was born in July, so she had a Christmas in July party. And yeah. I mean, um, so, and, and Patrick, he was like, this is my moment to glitter beard. So he glitter bearded with like the Christmas trees. You know, that screams straight, doesn't it? Um. Absolutely it does. It seems very festive and committed to yes. um, uh, heterosexuality and Christendom. They say glitter is the herpes of the craft world, though, because that shit just does not Not even away. technically, just actual. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> truly... The thing that keeps sticking around. Uh, so let's come back to mysticism. Yeah. So you're deconstructing your faith while you're in seminary. Yeah. Um, you are theological college. Um, you're reading tarot cards. You must yeah. have offended so many people by exploring mysticism while you're also exploring faith yeah. and theology and learning how to read the Bible, how it actually was rather than how we're indoctrinated mm. to things of it what was very interest lovely um so i went to a presbyterian seminary uh, pcusa so it's like the good presbyterians the ones yeah. who love the gays and love women mm-hmm. even though like historically they haven't done as much to help but anyways on paper and in most practice they're dope yeah um but ironically like i feel like a lot of my seminary professors were not so much there this is like we don't want you to become us we really want you to think for yourself and so Dangerous. in a lot of my studies i under i i know right um so like um, i had a very uh diverse set of teachers like most like my bet my favorite teachers were like you know southeast asian post-colonial asian feminist icons and wow uh, you know black liberation theologians and teachers um so i really had to a really really amazing diversity and also fun fact about columbia theological seminary is that they have now starting from all students who are currently enrolled and in the future all black students are going to have all of their fees and tuition <gasps> waived forever oh my god that's amazing and i'm like okay you better just put your money where your mouth is yeah which was so cool um so like i remember actually sitting down with like the campus chaplain like in an office like shortly after like my 29th birthday and just crying because I'm just like, I don't know who Jesus is anymore. And like, also like, I think I'm a witch. Like I was, I was out under the moon last night, like praying and like doing things. And I was just like, really just so broken up. And she said, Kevin, it's okay. Like you're allowed, like whatever's here, like God is big enough to handle this. And also like, God will love you if you're a Christian or not. Like it doesn't, it does not matter. And so once I got, once I heard that from somebody, it's just it's like, it's, it's okay to not know. And I yeah. think really, like, I didn't care about the not knowing. It's that, that I felt like I, it was, there was a weird kind of loss of innocence thing in some yeah. way. Just like, I was like, I really am sad that I'm losing something that I felt like I lost something that I loved so much, but really was like, it wasn't yeah. so much I was losing something, but I was seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I kind of I entered a period where I was a little bit jaded and just like I don't know who God is. I don't know what God is. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was shortly after that that things just it was like a couple weeks later. I actually, funny enough, preached a sermon in chapel. Yeah. Where I actually said on stage as I'm preaching, I don't know if I'm a Christian sometimes, but on the days when I am. Yeah. Um, Can relate. So Can it relate. was it was a 
it was like one of those things where like once I finally stopped trying to be a Christian and stopped trying to figure out like if I had the right beliefs, it's like, it's really, I don't think God, I don't think Jesus, I, I don't think the person of Jesus was very concerned about what you say you believe and always was concerned yeah. about what you did. And yeah. so once I began focusing that on just like, what is my practice? How, do, how am I going to get close to God? How am I going to get back to that feeling of presence? Because I felt it before. I know it's real. And I know that it doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning or in a worship set. Like, I know that. It has to be. People have been experiencing God for thousands of years. Yeah. And so that's where mysticism came in. That's where, like, learning all these things. Like, the honestly, the more I study other religious practices, the more I see the Christ, the universal Christ. And the more I see myself, it's the, like... It is, it's great. It really, it's like, it's the wild, wild west of spirituality and I'm loving it. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. The wild, wild west of spirituality. And it's, um, it's so relatable. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm just, uh, you can Good. hear, I think in the background, my kid's throwing a tantrum. So, but anyway. Um, amazing. <laughs> it's, again, this kind of takes me back to, to um, a conversation that I had with Carrie um, and we were talking about how often unintentionally and, and based on bad theology and mm -hmm. often I see things in the church that are very much like witchcraft. Oh my God. But Listen. not done with the intention and the knowledge mm -hmm. and sometimes even, I'm going to say it, the purity of, of heart and motive. Um, is, if it comes from a place of wanting to take dominion over something that is not yours, wanting an outcome mm -hmm. that is motivated from a place of taking away from somebody else or, you know, these things, right. um, or, or even grief denied, <laughs> you know, <laughs> down in the stage, some of these mm -hmm. rituals, some of these things, you know, praying in tongues can start to feel like chanting or, you know, um, yeah. like... And I think what witchcraft did for Carrie is it took her deeper into yes. intention and into making sure that was pure. And that challenged me in my Christianity, if I dare use that, mm -hmm. is because alchemy is about intention. It's about manifesting yes. your intentions. And so really what is Christianity? Really what is mm. prayer? And Come on. And it just meant that I had to go deeper into my intentions and go, Phew, I better know I'm pure of heart before I mm -hmm. pray or bind, or I better know that I'm not doing harm to another person. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And, and there are moments where I go, do I believe in prayer? Eh, let's just call it predestination and I'm just going to hit the snooze alarm <laughs> for another five minutes. I mean, really? Um, yeah. My snooze alarm is a four-year-old with, I don't know, so many limbs, so it doesn't work. Um, mm. But, mm. yeah, I don't hit you're, you're my snooze alarm. You're not making alarm. it no. uh, <laughs> appealing for me to become a father right now. No, no, <laughs> gosh, gosh. <laughs> but, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. this, I think, is the work that Christianity hasn't done well, is actually looked at its own intention and gone, am I pure of heart? We've mm -hmm. gone, oh, dominionism, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to break through worship my guts out on that i'm going to you know try to influence outcomes based on that the classic mm -hmm. case is trump and that thing you tweeted during the week of like you know the girls singing about four more years um, Ooh, that <laughs> was such a weird thing to see i was like <laughs> cool. first of all <laughs> that that girl playing the guitar i smell the lesbianism on her 
It's just like you are just wa- you're just waiting for one girl to look at you with like gl- with like light in her eyes, and you will just you're done. It's like I know you, I know you, I know you. You and me, we led summer camp together. We were both camp counselors. We were both like the two gay people. I know you. Uh, and she, um, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But like but anyway. you speaking of like the witchcraft thing and in, yeah. within Christianity, you're so effing right. So this so I was a Pentecostal for a good minute. Mm-hmm. And so the speaking in tongues thing, still do it. Fun fact, really? Christianity is not the only ri- faith or ritual practice that has speaking in tongues. Really? Yes, it's uh it's it's from there's it's in multiple religious practices and different pr- from all over the world. Wow. So <laughs> It's not just a Christian thing. It's not just for weirdos and Pentecostals anymore. Yeah. Two. So, like, um, I was thinking about music the other day and why people have such a, like, worship music is a very yeah. controversial topic for a, a number oh, God, of reasons. Yeah. Because music, um, poetry, art, it speaks to the soul. And that's really what... Yeah. You know, we're trying to get to. Yeah, so even right. so, then the intention within worship music is to focus is on the idea, like I would say, in lovely worship music around the person of Jesus, around connecting with this idea yeah. of infinite and eternal love. And even if it's in a a space that I think is like you know, not, uh, you know, I, it's it's very interesting. Like you know, you ask spirit to show up, she'll show up, even if it's like weird it's 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 kind of Cocaine it's kind of like this thing where like i yeah. exactly so it's i i'm thinking it's like we do these things and we're trying to focus on love but then like uh it's like so within like certain ritual circles that i've sat in, and we talk about building a container yeah. and so it's a container for which to hold our experience that we're having the energy that we're like we're into like bring up in ourselves the emotion that we're trying to bring up in ourselves and so like i remember in worship all the time uh it's full body right you know jumping around you know Uh being expressive using your hands you know Mm -hmm. bowing down when you felt like it um and you know people have the religious experiences at concerts you know just at secular concerts all the time same thing because music is spell work in my opinion so it's like we're creating this thing we're creating this experience we have this intention of trying to reach the Christ consciousness of just like wanting to touch that, which I think is a reason so many of us had uh, very wonderful and beautiful experiences in there because we really Mm. did touch something real. We did touch something of the spirit. The problem is when you have an ego driven organization (laughs) who uh, doesn't understand what they're doing. So like, I remember we'd build up the emotion, we'd build up the spirit, it'd be all these things, and then as soon as I was, all right, thank you, everyone, we'll see you next week. And then, like, for those of us who were really, like, feeling repentant or really feeling connected or really feeling shame about the fact that, like, you know, you know, cast your cares upon Jesus. I'm just, I'm trying to cast my homosexuality upon Jesus, and I can't. And I'm not done yet. I keep, Mm. I keep falling back. Mm. I keep, or I want to cast, like, you know, my masturbation. (laughs) <laughs> problem upon Jesus and we like again I, I harp on sexual things because that is what it's so interesting like you know we keep enough of these like you know people like focused on like what they're doing with their genitals that we they don't actually have to do the work of growing into actual humans <laughs> yes and or look, like I doing was... the actual work of like saving the planet yeah I, I had to I laughed at the masturbation thing because it's a big taboo um, within church. And I remember as a teenager going, okay, the Bible doesn't actually say anything about this when it comes Come to exactly 
But my big question was, where is like the limits for the cloud of witnesses? You know. <laughs> Exactly. Like I mean, I mean, uh, Pete, Pete Holmes has made the joke of just like uh, when he was younger, he could be masturbating, and he said, "I would always be afraid about the second coming happening while I was." You learn not ig- to fear that later on. But anyway, sorry, that's eh. <laughs> anyway. Oh god. I, I mean, I love making. I love talking. Like between between God and sex, there's nothing more I love to talk about. Well, and this is the, the idea that we've put boundaries around God to say that God is able to be in this area, but not in that area. Oh, but, but, but or we've made a weird, I remember, mm. just for laughs. Do you know this Christian erotic fiction on the internet? <gasps> oh, I've heard of something like you this. You need and... to go and read it because oh. it's so bad because you're in the middle of this like hot scene. Well, not hot though, because erotic fiction is always so clunky. But then mm. the, the protagonist will just stop and thank God for giving him such a beautiful woman as his wife. No. It's an act of worship. It's so bad. It's Anyway, so that's my gift Listen. to everyone. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm yeah, so seriously. ready for this. Listen, yeah, I also think that I have, it. like, it sounds like I just found my next career. Like, yeah, forget, totally. forget practical <laughs> theology. I'm ready to just write smut for Christian moms out there. <laughs> gosh it's just it's just the worst now i guess we, we are coming to the end of the interview i don't even know what this interview is about but it was so fun i loved i thought it, it was <laughs> what, what did we talk about we covered so we covered deconstructing things. faith we covered a little bit of <laughs> shame stuff, witchcraft yes witchcraft we talked lip color you know yes lip color i mean these are these are foundational you know things of life and we're going to follow it up with I'm going to come on your your podcast mm-hmm. and um, heaven we're going knows to we've got to do this again. Um, yes, and then I can that, pick your brain about your journey more. Oh, oh, it's going to be a wild ride. Um, oh, and, I, and also I would just love to come back on and just kiki with you again because this is fun and like yes, super fun. <laughs> I need I need more uh, creative. Well, like there, here's my thing. Do you, I don't know if you get on the shame spiral of like I'm not producing enough, oh. and then I also just realized yeah. that I yeah. just packed up my entire house and moved and I need to like give myself a fucking break. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to finish the interview. You said that in a post just this morning, we need mm. to be, we need to pick up the self care. We need mm-hmm. to go harder on that. So yes. which is kind of a bit paradoxical, go harder on self care. Um, yeah. what, what is it for you? What is mm-hmm. it for you that you do? What, what, you know, how, yeah. how do we do this? Mm. Um, so for me, pra- I, I have like the basic pull sheet for like self care is like, did you drink some water? Did you eat something delicious? Did you move your body? Do you need to take a nap or go to bed? Um, that's yeah. a bit like, you know, did you take your meds? Mm. Did you call your person? So yeah. like, those are like my big, my big six is just like, make sure you're taking care of your basics. Yeah. And then what else? And so, cause like, if you really take care of your basics, like getting enough rest mm-hmm. is, is really, really important because it affects every other aspect. Like, yeah. Spiritually, physically, biologically, emotionally, yeah. having enough natural energy in your body to sustain yourself in these times yeah. is important. And we have to remember that every single person we encounter right now, all of our stress is like out of five because COVID-19 yeah. <laughs> slash only 147 days until the American presidential election oh. and the world is freaking. It, what really sucks is like, why is it? That I have to live in this stupid ass country with like all the stupid shit. This is how I feel about America right now. Everything's dumb. 
We got a dumb <laughs> president. We got a dumb electoral college. We got dumb racist policies that are suppressing votes. But I will tell you what, in so many states, like there's one state I heard about today, like Pennsylvania, their registration is up 300% from this time last election season. And they'd better um, be Democrats. And, <laughs> so, and that's the thing, is so many people yeah. are organizing for that. And what's so lovely to see is that I'm whole, I'm not going to hold my breath because you never know. I don't. I hate getting my hope up, but at the same mm. time, I'm feeling very, very... I love hoping. It's so yeah. fun. Like, yeah. to imagine the possibility that a miracle might happen over yeah. them having... Or, over having faith in the disaster that I've seen time and time again. Yeah. So I want to be somebody who tries to still hope for yeah. miracles because otherwise like I'm exhausted. Yeah. And do you know what? I, I feel like this time in history has kind of been a call to evolve higher, to yes. vibrate higher, to transcend the boxes that we've put ourselves in to be able to see the faults in our own ideology to be able to mm-hmm. look internally and see the structures in ourselves that have allowed oppression to exist whether mm-hmm. it's towards black people people of color or you know lgbtqia people or whatever it mm-hmm. is this is a time in history and do you know what during this time in history it's not the truth tellers that i value it's mm-hmm. the truth seekers. It's it's people like you mm-hmm. who are willing to actually mm. look at paradigms we've accepted as the norm for so very, very long and say, mm, girl, there's something not right here. So thank you mm. for doing what you do. Kevin Garcia. My um, God, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for <laughs> reaching out that one time and just being so intentional about just staying connected with me. Like It's been so amazing to watch your journey as well. And I feel so honored to be a part of it in the way that I am. And also I feel so thankful that you helped like if y'all need an editing job kit kennedy she's your ah, girl woo. <laughs> call Thank her you. up call, but me, up, call um, me up buttercup <laughs> but yeah i am uh i'm so thankful um to be with you so thank you for having me on today Thank you for coming on today and for everything that you have done to support mm. uh my little family and and our walk through deconstruction over the years this is kit kennedy this is kevin garcia this is unchurchable